the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Happy Memorial Day to all our uh, our soldiers and uh, flyboys and uh, sailors and Marines and everybody else, uh, Green Berets, etc. Uh, we're thinking about you. We're thinking about all those uh, that we miss uh, in this, these times, too. So here, here's a couple uh, quotes just to start thinking. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you could miss it. That's Ferris Bueller, 1986, by the way. It is the character of a brave and resolute man not to be ruffled by adversity and not to desert his post. Cicero, the great Roman orator. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reading his book while I'm reading about six other books right now uh, and on his philosophies. And, and if, you, if you think all this stuff that they're saying now is new, <laughs> it's 4,000 years old. <laughs> Uh, believe me, all the thoughts and the stuff, the great thinkers I'm thinking of today, they were thinking about it 40,000 years ago. So to me, success can only be achieved through repeated failure and introspection. In fact, success represents 1% of your work that results from 99% that is called failure. And that's uh, Mr. Honda from the Honda Motor Company. You know, May is Military Appreciation Month. This is the weekend when we really should appreciate our military for all, that are, for all you guys and gals that are still around and for all of those who are fallen and uh, can't say how much we appreciate it and uh, uh, how much we're honored to have you uh, in the United States of America. That's all I got to say. Um, as always, we start this show, uh, you know, just talking about my web page a little bit. If you Google Tim Hayes Radio, uh, I show up. You can always tell it's me because it says, remember, buy low, sell high. Um you know, we have a market week update. We have an investor's edge under bulletin board, daily technical analysis. Uh, Bob Dickey has been fairly right, except he was a little bit too bearish there uh, about a month ago. Uh, but he's been fairly right for some time now. Uh, we also have some stuff on interest rates. And, you know, I was talking about buying yield when it's up. And it looks like to me we had a high volume peak in uh, the, the 10-year Treasury yield. Yield now, not the bond. The bond actually may have bottomed. Um, also, cybersecurity, which is becoming more and more important. Uh, there's some good stuff on there. And if you'd like to get any of the material I talk about, like our dividend growth portfolio, which I think is perfect, and I'm going to talk about that in the insiders today, um, our prime income list. This is the time I think you should be buying those things. Call in for them. Our small cap ideas, I, I, you know, I said uh, back in January that I thought the small caps would lead the way because there was too much of a uh, valuation difference. They're leading the way, folks. Um, they really are. Our global energy ideas, uh, energy got hit Friday, about two bucks. The Saudis are going to start and open up the tap. 
I don't think I think that's because of pressure from Mr. Trump, uh, which is perfectly all right. But I don't think it's over yet. I I don't think uh, oil's going back to to twenty or thirty bucks. I think it's going to stick around the fifty to eighty mark for a pretty long time. So, uh, by the way, most of these companies can make money during that period of time. You know, the, even the drillers, you know, the ocean drillers can make money when when oil's sixty five, seventy bucks. It's just when it's twenty that they have the problem. Okay. And we do have our small cap list. I highly recommend that and our top equity picks and our top global picks. Although with the dollar rallying, I think it might be a time to hold back on the global stuff. Um, And we do have our guided all cap portfolio. Uh, That has really been kicking some. uh, I mean, I've been buying stocks off that for some time now. We do have a new newsletter in June. uh, Mid-year planning, some tax changes to factor in. And boy, there's a lot of them. Uh, Investing to save time. Uh, boost happiness returns, marriage and money. Take a team approach to retirement, and that's I can't uh, emphasize that much, that enough. All right, so uh, twenty six hundred and seventeen times a day, according to a study by mobile app research firms, that is how often the average person taps, pokes, or pinches his personal phone. <laughs> Jeez, I, I actually hide mine on the weekend. Uh, in two thousand seventeen, women in the U.S. had nearly. 500,000 fewer babies than in 2007, despite the fact they were estimated 7% more women in their prime childbearing years. Hmm, interesting. There was a time in the 1990s and early 2000s when education spending increased by sizable amounts across the country, jumping 20% between 1998 and 2007. However, states spent 2% on K-2 education in 2007, uh, less on 2000, uh, in 2007 than they did on 2009. Hmm. All right. Now, we always talk about, um, uh, you know, the process here. And if you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. Edward Deming. So, uh, you know, we keep doing the same things. We're going to talk about macroeconomics now. The House and the Senate today, I mean, uh, Thursday, passed a part of a they're getting rid of some of the Dodd-Frank bill. So when it was too large to to fail, it's now too small to compete. So they've they've changed it. So what we're talking about is these banks that we're talking about now are not your father's banks, okay? So what we're getting to is a valuation normalization, which we haven't seen in a long, long time, and it's still the earnings uh, early innings. We're still not even close to, you know, we're still at one-time book. Most banks get sold at two-times book, and they kind of peak at one-and-a-half times book. Uh, but the book value continues to grow uh, at a pretty rapid scenario. And, and we're seeing, I'm still seeing lots of these banks uh, look really, really good, okay? Now, there's some catalysts coming in 2020 uh, that I think are interesting. And that's banks uh, make money in two primary ways, net interest income and also a lower interest. Uh, a bank pays on deposit. It holds higher and higher interest on loans it goes. And then uh the relationship of bank shares to interest rates and historical performance of these stocks, uh, you know, in previous rising rate periods, as you see that we believe that interest rates are interest earned on loans will grow more rapidly than interest on posits. So as interest rates go up, their spread increases is what I'm trying to tell you. So uh, I think it's very, very important that you start to look at, you know, these guys are now going to start to buy back their stock they're going to be able to start to do dividends, and I think you're going to see a lot of M&A activity, a lot of M&A activity. So somebody asked me about uh, uh, commodities, and commodities are at their lowest valuation 
compared to stocks. And the only time it was lower was in the Great Depression. And that's why somebody asked me, you know, Tim, that was a great call. And I was talking to this guy, uh, Stan. And Stan's a very nice guy. And, uh, he, you know, he was talking to me and he said, Tim, why are commodities so low? I mean, it was a good call in December. I said, I, you know, it's, it's mostly because of deflation. And, uh, you know, that's what the Obama administration was all about, deflation, because they taxed us to death. They overregulated and deflation occurs when that occurs. You, know, you don't get the 10 year Treasury yield at one point two six when things are great. I don't care what Obama and what the administration said. So remember, emerging markets do great when the dollar is falling. They don't do so hot when the dollar is rising. The best categories when the dollar is rising is growth and small caps, which just happen to be the two top uh, scenarios. Mid caps come in third. Um so the S&P, by the way, lags drastically, and I think people are going to find that out the, the hard way. Look, uh, we have uh, a piece on, uh, well, you know, a lot of people are wondering about monetary policy, and I think the Fed will need to choose between two policy frameworks. They could keep excess reserves high enough so that the demand curve reserves will be flat. It's kind of a floor in the system, if you will. Or they could drain enough reserves to move into the steep part of the uh of the demand curve, you know, what they call a quarter system. If the Fed can perfectly anticipate swings in reserve supply and demand, they would need to do open market operations that swing by many tens of billions of dollars each day. And I don't think they're good enough to do that. So a floor system seems like the likely outcome. And so if the reserves become exempt from leverage ratio calculation, banks are going to likely want to hold most of the required assets or the required reserves. And that, that probably wouldn't be good either. So people ask me about uh, bonds, and um, you know, you know, I was going to talk about uh, choosing a continuing care retirement uh, facility. Some people have asked me about that, but I'm not going to right at the moment. Look, somebody, uh, I, I had a talk with uh, uh, Mark, and, and Mark's uh, up there, and he's talking about a robo uh, robo takeover, uh, robo acolypse is what we call it, and um, I think that uh, you know, look, humans have been worried about being replaced by technology since the invention of the shovel. Uh, automation unleashing mass unemployment is an old argument, and it can be traced back to the first industrial revolution. However, we believe technology can invigorate GDP growth. So the emergence of robotics as a mainstream technology uh, or a technological advancement stems from the accumulation of several different technologies colliding at the same time. You know, physical capabilities, central, uh, sensory perception, machine learning, natural language processing, the cloud robotics. They're all advanced and cheaper than they have been. So, so the robotic energy is now worth $24 billion. And according to some of the venture companies, they think that could double in five years. So it's very important. And I've got a report on this if you'd like to get it. It's called, is the Robocopolix Arrived? And if you'd like it, once again, you Google Tim Hayes Radio and hit the contact me or email me. The bullish percent Broke over 54, which puts it, uh, we no longer, we're in a green light. <laughs> the uh, 10-year Treasury index on high volume reversed down into a column of O's. So we'll we'll get we'll see how that works in the next couple days. The dollar is broken out. It's still below its downtrend line, so it's not a solid citizen yet. But uh, it did break a triple top just recently, so the dollar's interesting. And I want to talk about my backyard barbecue bullish percent indicator. Uh, the event, your best friend and neighbor has a bar- backyard barbecue. You're not invited. A friend invites you to your back uh, backyard barbecue. However, the other guests see you and they move to the other side of the, the uh, yard. This is the bear market stuff. You're attending a b- barbecue back 
uh, a backyard barbecue and people want to know, uh, they come over to ask you how the market closed and what you think you should buy. Uh, the market is in a major upswing at that point. You are attending a backyard barbecue. When people hear you are an investment advisor, they come over and induce themselves and discuss the market. The market has had a large rally and now receiving good rotation. A client invites you to a backyard barbecue where you enter the event, and he uh, he asks everyone to be quiet for a moment while he introduces you. <laughs> the market's topping. Get out. Your best friends invite you to a barbecue, a backyard barbecue and dinner in your honor. The market has reached the top. Hit the road. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Anyway, I got a list of all the top uh, NASDAQ 100 people, and I, I was, thought it was interesting that international equities have turned down. Um, they started making a little bit of a top, and that, that goes along with uh, the dollar peaking. So, you know, pay close attention. Now, some people have asked, been asking, you know, why, are, why is the Fed doing this quarter, quarter, quarter? Why don't they just do a half? Um, look, the Fed will lift... We'll lift rates by probably another 50 basis points, but it's better that they go slowly because we just, you know, they made a mistake back in the 30s uh, and, you know, we got popped for it. But once again, the, the best stuff I've seen is the preferreds and there's lots of really good stuff out there. If you'd like our preferred list, please give us a call. Um, but we're seeing a lot of good stuff in that area. So stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'll be right back. is a dangerous place, sometimes even an ugly place. You come here to help make sense of it all. Our hosts help you understand what all the news means and what to think of it. But we got to be honest, we don't have all the answers. For the rest of the answers, we advise you to visit our partner station. Frankly, they have a better handle on all this. They even know who the winner will be. AM 1420, the answer starts it all. AM 1220, the word ends it all. One goes with the other. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. All right, we're back. And if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, by the way, you know, on WHK's webpage, you can hear our podcast. So if you just, you know, go WHK Radio, uh, 1420 AM, um, and hit the podcast, you just roll down to Tim Hayes, and there I am. And it usually comes on every Monday or Tuesday, uh, right about noonish. So uh, if you'd like that. But I just want to finish up. Um, uh, on uh, by the way, you can go directly from my web page from the WHK uh, uh, link. Okay, so if you go to our podcast, you can just hit the link there, and my web page comes up. Look, um, loan growth is, is starting to appear again, um, and we're starting to see uh, we're we're starting to grow at about four point seven percent, and that should pick up the economy pretty nice. Um, you know, and we got some deregulation now, so. Uh, it's helping to uh, unlock some of the excess levels of bank balance sheets. So I, I think people are starting to see that. And the, 
Remember, the market anticipates things several months ahead. So I think the markets kind of anticipate. And this is not 2006. I don't think the risks uh, exist anymore, but we're talking about because the banks aren't doing crazy stuff. You know, usually uh, you can tell when banks are doing crazy stuff uh, fairly early. Uh, I mean, look, it wasn't a secret the banks are doing crazy stuff. I mean, I was talking about that on the show 2002, 2003. And in 2004, 2005, I was talking about shortened housing stocks, okay, on the show. So we do have the rising rates right now. They are waiting on the home builders. And uh, I think the home builders are going to be in kind of a sideways pattern for a pretty long time. Buy them at the low, sell them at the high type of thing. But if you look, uh, let's just say the ITB, the home home builders, uh, you know, they were doing great. Uh, I think it got up to like 46. And, and, uh, and then at the end of January, the rates started to build up a little bit. And now it's at 38. So, it, you know, it's down quite a bit. So, when you get the 10-year Treasury yield at a seven-year high, uh, that's going to happen. And so, remember, mortgage rates are based off the 10-year Treasury, okay? So, if you're wondering why that is, it's just the way it is. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably the, it's, it's, it's the easiest thing to follow. Uh, it doesn't have as wide as swings as a 30, and it doesn't bounce up and down as much as the one and two, three, four-year. But what we did see, and, and I'm not sure why this is, but lumber surged to a record high. Uh, I mean, it was at 425. It's at 650. It's gone vertical. So uh, some of the lumber companies have done very, very good. But, uh, you know, I just wonder how much longer can it last. Now, one of the things we have seen in in Dorsey Wright's dynamic asset level investing um, is small cap growth has overtaken large cap growth. And, you know, we mentioned that this could happen because of how cheap they were. Uh, small cap stocks are still almost their two and point uh, three five standard deviations below normal. They're still three and three point five percent below large cap. So now large caps are still second, and then mid cap blends and mid cap growth. And you know equal weight still better than the capitalization weight on the uh, uh, the equity side. And it's still technologies, financials. But we had a big change this week. Energies came in third, so they bypassed uh, over industrials. Uh, one of the big winners for the week was healthcare, which is very interesting. But small caps tend to be leading the way. And if if you look at the uh, S and P five hundred or S and P uh, small cap index, uh, it's broken out of an ascending triangle pattern, which is very positive. And uh, uh, you got a, a PMO buy signal. If you don't know what PMO is, uh, please look it up. Don't have time to explain it right at the moment. Uh, but the indicators are starting to turn up, which are the long-term indicators, which I really like, the trade oscillators and stuff like that, volume, uh, all the things that you like to see. Um, so once again, we'll emphasize the small caps, and this could last a pretty long time. Um, now, the large caps pe- look like they peaked in January and been going sideways. They've been bouncing up and down, but they've been going sideways for the most part. And they tend to, uh, you know, the short-term picture is kind of bullish, but the, I think you're going to have a sideways movement for a pretty long time. And with the small caps hitting a new high on Wednesday, I think you you know should be paying more attention to small caps than large caps. Uh, although there are still some large caps that I really really like that have not, um, you know, you know, I still like them a, a lot. Let's just put it that way. One of the reasons I think the small caps are leading is because they have leadership. The large and the mid caps are kind of there's no real leadership out there that is uh, you know showing the, showing us the way. So I think what you have to do um, is, you know, be a little bit more careful with what you're buying. But, uh, you know, and I would suggest that, you know, I've I've been talking about this. 
the, we have two analysts there in the software area and the internet area, and and also uh, what we, you know, the, the the software companies that protect you from hacking. And those those companies have been doing extremely well. Matter of fact, we got one that they've been talking about that I've been buying. I really like. Um, and somebody said, by the way, I, I had Bob call me and he said, well, why don't you say the stocks that you like on the air? And that's for my clients, folks. <laughs> you want to be a client? Let me know. Um, but anyway, so the energy sector got kind of beat up on Thursday and Friday. And, and um, I did notice that the long position on oil was very much like the long position on the treasure, the 10 year treasury bond. Everybody was short the U S treasury bond. They thought yields were going to three and a half percent. And I said that a month ago and we haven't seen it. We just barely creeped over 3.1% and then we just, we got whacked. All right. So last week, last Wednesday, I noticed on the oil situation, everybody was long the oil contracts and the Saudi took them out and shot them. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know, by the way, it does seem that Exxon and Chevron are kind of trailing everything else. And, and there are big uh, factors in the XLE, uh, although the XLE did break out with some of the other components. So I, I think, you know, maybe uh, if you're looking for the dividend, that's where you go. Uh, total return package. But if you're looking for capital gains, uh, you know, but still the dividends are pretty hefty in both of those. I, I think uh you know, what we're going to see here is a kind of a bouncing around oil because uh, because the Saudis want it that way. <laughs> That's the way it comes down to. But we we have seen a lot of uh, small and mid-sized oil companies uh, looking really still really good on their uh, uh, charts. And I would also suggest that, you know, one of the things I'm seeing is a lot of insider buying in uh, oil. And, uh, you know, uh, we talked about Transocean a couple weeks ago, and uh, it, it got beat up a little bit Friday. Um, you know, the insiders bought about 4.8 million shares. So they think they are feeling fairly comfortable <laughs> uh, with what's going on. And believe me, that's an interesting story. And there's some other names out there. Uh, uh, Murphy Oil, Marathon, there's been some there's been some insider buys. So uh, these are not recommendations, by the way. I, I, you know, I just suggest that you do your own homework. I do have our top oil picks, though. And there's a lot of names on those. One of those just broke out very nicely, uh, one that I own quite a bit of, um, and pulled back Friday. And so it's, you know, that's what you want, to break out in a pullback. So use the pullbacks to buy. Um, anyway, um, so somebody asked me about the home builders. And, you know, I look, I think interest rates are up a lot. So they asked me, should we sell them? And I said, I wouldn't be aggressive selling them here. Because I don't think interest rates are going straight up. I don't think the economies worldwide or in the United States is that good where, um, you know, you're going to be, you know, having to worry about your mortgage going to 5%, you know, 6 7% or something like that. Now, somebody asked me about some of the MLPs also. And, and the MLPs, I'm having a lot of those show up on my machine. But, you know, you want to sell them when the oils break down a little bit, okay? Uh, gold... Uh, you know, I sent out a, a thing. If you'd like to be on my chart list or my email list, this is when I send stuff that I think is important out to people. I said, gold looks like it's going to break out, but I'd wait for the breakout. Well, it just barely broke out and then slid right back in. That's usually a bad sign. So uh, gold's off shar- sharply, but it's fairly oversold. And it did break into a column of X's this week. So very contrary opinions there and that, that type of thing. Now, I am seeing 
the transports look really, really good. Uh, the truckers, uh, the air transports, you know, they all look uh, very, very, very good. And the regional banks are looking fantastic. And I think that's due to the Dodd-Frank, uh, you know, pullback. Um, but there's a, some also some other large financials that look really, really good. So, um, you know, and somebody, uh, look, I, I looked at some of the software stocks and, and uh, I think they're pausing right at the moment. So, uh, you know, Matt Hedberg and Mark Mahaney's stuff might be, there might be an opportunity up here to have them pull back a little bit and, uh, you know, uh, pay pretty close attention to those. Um, I am a little bit concerned about the, um, the semiconductor equipment group. Uh, the the charts are kind of fading a little bit. So uh, you, you don't know when that starts to happen and whether you're going to have a real hard sell-off or um, you're just, you're just going to correct, you know, you're just going to go sideways for a while, but I'd be careful. Uh, you know, I, I'm seeing some of the semiconductors bounce forward, some of them not, so it, it, it's kind of interesting. The cyclical stocks are seeming to balance, uh, bottoming, and I'm, I'm seeing them start to turn up a little bit. And so there's some large names here in the Cleveland area, by the way, that look pretty good. Um, Europe, you know, I looked at the EFA, and I'm still not seeing anything that makes me impressed that may be the dollar. But small growth, though, we're beginning to shift uh, into small growth. And, and the, I guess the question is, will we start to shift into large cap value because they're really cheap? Um and somebody asked me about the dollar. I, as I said, the dollar broke out. I think it could go uh, uh, quite a bit higher. Uh, it may pause here, though. You know, nothing goes straight up, and it's made a pretty big move, so let it go sideways for a while before it goes higher. Actually, you'll want that to happen. Junk bonds uh, versus investment grave bonds are actually improving, so there's no real stresses in the system that I see right at the moment. Um, utilities are starting to look interesting again, uh, but... The transports are the ones that I'd really like to highlight. Um, you know, the rails, the truckers, uh, and, and the air freight companies are really starting to look good. So now a couple other things I noticed is that the, nobody's bearish. I mean, the bears are at uh, like 22%, and, and the, the bullish area is only 36 So most everybody is taking the, the easy way out and saying they're neutral. All right? So there's 44% neutral, and the rest are, you know, there's 22% uh, Bulls, I mean, uh, bears, 36% uh, bulls, and the rest are neutral. So um, now the, we're looking at, we were looking at Citicorp's economic surprise indices, and, and it looks like the G10 is becoming quite, quite oversold, and it looks like Europe may be getting to bottom. Uh, you know, U.S. continues a bit of a pullback, but what, what's impressive, I guess, is, as I see, is that the, the, the breadth on the Russell 2000 is, uh, is increasing. So uh, I, I would suggest large, you know, growth for value. The large cap uptrend uh, is intact, but small caps are beginning to diverge. So it does look like the uh, the mid the, the small cap growth uh, is is heading south. So that might mean value is starting to pick up in the small cap area. Uh, and there's a lot of value stocks out there. Actually, there's a lot of former growth stocks that are now value stocks that are looking really good. Uh, so you know. Um, once again, you know, we told you the 340 area on the yield in 10 years, where to worry. All right, we'll be right back with a bullish percent. Stay tuned. Want to give back to your community and pay back student loans? Become an AmeriCorps member and you'll gain new skills, forge connections, and earn money for school or student loans. Get things done 
and make a difference in Ohio with AmeriCorps. Visit AmeriCorps.gov today to find opportunities in your area. Sponsored by Serve Ohio, Ohio Commission on Service and Volunteerism, aired by the OAB and this station. Seems like not a day goes by without a terrorist attack someplace in the world. So we can sit there paralyzed, or we can try to understand it. That's why this station exists. We don't just report the news. We help you make sense of it all. But the truth is, there's a deeper meaning to all of this. There is a true answer to life's most troubling issues. And in order to get it, you'll have to switch the dial. Hey, it's okay if you do. Just don't stay over there too long. We want you back. AM 1420, The Answer, and AM 1220, The Word. One goes with the other. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. On Facebook? So are we. Visit our Facebook page by searching for AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. And this is where we talk about the bullish percent. And the, the, the bullish percent is our main indicator of risk. Okay, so it, it goes from zero to 100. It's an old point-and-figure chart. It was, it was discerned by a protege of Charles Dow, a guy named Ernie Stabey. And what he wanted to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. It's that simple. So this chart goes from 0 to 100. When you get over 70, we call that the red zone. That's when things were getting hot. That's where we were in January. We were at 70.6. When you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's where everybody's you know, bummed out. You know, they, they, can't, they don't even want to look at their 401k statement. They don't want to even look at their stocks, right? And that's usually the best time to buy. So when everybody's greedy, you should be careful. And when everybody's careful, you should be greedy. That's how it works. So this week we had something important happen is that we hit 54 on the bullish percent, uh, which was the turning point. So we are now got a green light. Remember I said it was a flashing uh, red light before. Uh, and we wouldn't reverse down until 46. So we got six or seven percentage points. Now, we're very close on the over-the-counter index. Uh we would reverse back them to a column of X's of 52. I think, I believe we're at 51.3. We're up 1.4% there. The world index is still in a sorry state, the column of O's. And what, like I said, I'm not seeing too much there that uh, makes me want to jump and shout and run about. Uh, it's International stocks started to take off, then the dollar started to rally. And when the dollar goes up, commodities usually come down. Uh, and also, international stocks are not the place to be. Uh, the bullish percent for, you know, basically all the, all the different uh, scenarios, or, or the BPALA, that's the bullish percent for all, turn into a column of X's, and uh, so it sits at 50. That's very positive. Most of the positive trend indicators remain static, so they're, they're not doing anything. And we've seen some advanced decline line improvement, which is very good. But I think the two big things uh, that have, a, well, three big things I'll talk about this week. Uh, you know, our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us this, and they also provide us with something called dynamic asset level investing. And this is... You want to follow the money. So they're following the money. All right. They're following relative strength, which is following the money. And there was three big things that happened on domestic equities. Small cap growth overtook large cap growth, uh, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, 
And then energy took over industri- industrial. So it'll be interesting to see if that hap- you know, maintains after Friday's little shellacking we had. And then finally, on international equities, uh, Asia Deve- uh, Pacific Developed jumped over Asia Pacific Emerging and Latin America to take first place. So there we go. Commodities, energy, and industrial metals are one and two. Uh, and precious metals are still out to lunch. And then we talk about fixed income. It's still U.S. preferreds, and I got a great list of them, and I think now's the time to buy them. I mean, we had one that was 9.5% that our, our, our company was talking about. Now, it wasn't, you know, perfect, but it was still 9.5% yield. Those are kind of neat things. Uh, international sovereign debt was number one. It slid, and then U.S. high yield debt is number three. Uh, it's funny because high yield is over U.S. corporate debt, and you would think that would not be the case. So uh, I, I have been noticing that the developed currencies are doing much better uh, than um, the you know the, the other currencies. So that's a little bit of a change, too. Now, we did see the sector rating for energy. This I think this is a big story is that, you know, it, it, was, it was dead last, okay, last summer, and it's now in the top three. So you've come, you've come nine sectors in nine months, and that's, you know, that's fairly hard to do. There haven't been many groups that have done that. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Now, I looked at all the, um, the different charts, you know, the S&P 500, the mid caps, the small caps, uh, the QQQs, the S&P equal weight. It still looks better than the S&P, uh, you know, the uh, capitalization weighted one, but they all look good. There's nothing wrong with them. I don't see anything happening uh, that that worries me, and most people are worried. Now, the S&P is overbought, so I think it's, you know, I think we've got a sideways pattern that's going to develop. And in a sideways pattern, you have some, you know, 3 4%, 5% down periods, and they happen usually pretty quickly, and then you accumulate back, and then you got to get to a point, and you get whacked again. And that'll probably happen for a year or so, in my humble opinion. I Once again, I think it'll be important to be in the right sector, that's why we talk about the sectors and their bullish percent every every week. And also, I think small cap's going to do better than large cap. The the standard deviation, you know, I talked about and I've shown to a lot of my clients, by the way, uh, of how far small caps are away from. I mean, they're below where they were in 2007 and 8. And believe me, a lot of small caps almost went bankrupt. It wouldn't Ben Bernanke's throwing money out the you know, helicopter window. So. So we continue to see growth dominate the asset class score pages here. So uh, that's good uh, if you're into growth stocks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, I think it was back in um, on May 30th of 2017 when we witnessed the relative strength chart of growth or, or value going to a column of O's versus growth, uh, growth going to a column of uh, X's. So we're still seeing that. So. On a one-year rolling basis, you know, the growth strategy is up 22%. Value uh, is up a whopping 14%. And uh, some of the value guys, the managers, are not doing very well. Now, uh, we looked at the sectors again, and the sectors are 51. They were up 2.39% this week. And, you know, we, we got to a bottom of only seven sectors being favored. We're now up to nine. They're, most of them are fairly overbought, though. And I'm just going to talk about the... Favored sectors, and then I'm going to talk about there's two sectors at 30 or below. Textile and gaming are at 70. you got to wait on those. Banking's at 65. Software and oil is at 60. Start taking a look at those. At 55 is machinery, internet, healthcare, and oil services. Um, down at the bottom, uh, at, at 30, are housing, 
uh, products and precious metals. Uh, now, precious metals is actually in a column of X's, but it hasn't, you know, it's still not a favored sector. So if they break over 30, things might get a little bit interesting. You know, you want to pay a, a little bit more attention. But, you know, household goods, which we talked about ad, ad nauseum last week, are in bull alert status. So remember that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about some, I'm seeing more and more insiders start to buy in that area. Dividend yields are there. And if the market gets, you know, if, if interest rates come down, it's because the economy's slowing down. If the economy's slowing down, people are going to take another look at those, okay? Especially, you know, uh, 5 and 4% dividend yields. Trust me on that. It'll be a total return market. If the market goes sideways, you know, the large cap managers are going to look for ways to outperform the market. And if they get a 5% dividend yield and get 5% on the upside, that they lock in 10%. They'll start to pay, pay close attention. Trust me on that one. Um, you know, I did notice uh, that healthcare went to most favored status and machinery went to just favored status. And semiconductors, which had been unfavored, now moved to, to the bet, uh, the latter part of uh, average. And builders are down to unfavored. Same with chemicals. Uh, chemicals are probably because oil prices are, so, are up so much because that's basically how you make chemicals. So it'll be interesting to see with the oil prices down almost four bucks in two days, if the chemical stocks start to you know you know polyurethane and all those things are all made based on oil. So uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. Uh, you know there are times uh, where, where currency hedge versions of ETFs uh, might have a higher risk or a higher volatility, but in most cases the volatility profile of a currency hedged version of an international ETF is lower. Uh, or almost equal, we'll say. Uh, so I've been noticing more and more of the currency-based ETFs doing better. Okay, so I'll just say that. Um, I, I did, you know, somebody asked me, okay, Tim, uh, this was, uh, I can't read my own writing. <laughs> this was, I can't read my own writing, so I don't know what this guy's name was. But he said, you know, if you're going to split up your uh fixed income portfolio, where would you go? I would be looking at, look, I'm going to do a first trust portfolio because our friends at Dorsey Wright uh, provide us that with that, and I'm good friends with first trust. But I would look at tactical high yield. I would look at senior loan funds, just in case we do have a, a rise in interest rates. I had the preferred securities and also the convertible securities. If you uh, had those four in your account, uh, I think you'd do fine. Um, by the way, I'd rather buy the bonds right here because I don't. I'm not actually sure if we've topped in interest rates, but I think we're getting pretty close. You know, the 30-year Treasury, however, did break out, broke a triple top at three two two five percent. That's the yield now, not the Treasury. So the actual bond hit a new low, and that occurred on Wednesday. So, um, you know, we had a flattening of the yield curve, and that might change it a little bit. Although the 10-year broke out and broke back in, which is usually a bad sign. Commodities still look, you know, this is the most improved asset class in 2018. And, you know, we, we kind of emphasized that the last two weeks of December of this year. And it uh, it's gained like 55 signals in Dorsey Wright systems, which means the relative strength is picking up drastically. Uh, you know, look, domestic equities remain in first place with 305. Internationals at two, 282. But they lost like uh, 30 things to 30 votes to uh, commodities. So uh, commodities are, are now in third place. Uh, they bypassed fixed income a couple weeks ago. Energy is probably the most improved commodity in the subclass. Um, 
although energy moved ahead of industrial metals, industrial metals still gained signals in the rankings this year. So uh, probably the the one that's least, you know, gold's picked up a little bit. Copper picked up a, quite a bit. Uh, some of the agricultural ones are still out to lunch. Uh, the Bloomberg uh, Commodity Index uh, actually broke its downtrend line and has now broken a double top. So, uh, you know, it moved into a positive trend back in January, and we kind of emphasize that because we're counting our own horn because we said that we thought commodities would work this year. And and now it's broken a double top, so that's that's really, really positive. Um, relative strength. So we always talk about relative strength in the show, and, you know, you want to be in the best stock in the best industry, okay? Uh, that'll beat the market every time. And so here's some names that just gave relative strength buy signals, meaning people are starting to pay attention. Abaxis, which is medical products. Uh, BP Purdue Bay Royalty Trust that went straight up and came straight back down. Uh, but it still looks good. Uh, America's Car Mart, the Cato Corporation, had a big move on Friday, uh, Thursday. Uh, DSW, Ensign Energy, uh, Deco and New Energy in the semiconductors for um, uh, the solar area. High Crush LP, Neighbors Industry, little oil company. Noble, another oil company. Plantronics, Communications, Phillips 66, another oil company. Raven Industries, which is a company that is in industrial goods, but a lot to the oil energy. Superior Energy Services, Suncor, Tratagir, which is basic resources. Uh, Eagle Pharmaceuticals and Iger Bio. And Iger went straight up and came, just got hit right after that because they announced the secondary. On the sell side, we had Zencor. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Zencor was the final buy. My apologies. On the sell side, we had Little Liberty Trip Advisors. Uh, boy, uh, John Malone's lost his touch. He used to be the, the hottest guy out there, and he's uh, he's been cold as a stone for like three years now. San Juan Basin Royalty Trust and Molecular Templates, which just got hammered. You know, I forgot to mention when we were talking about the dollar, the dollar is now over 100% sold, uh, uh, bought. So you want to be a little bit more careful with it at this point. So, you know, you might have a pullback is what I'm suggesting. Hey, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with Insiders and Tim Fake. When's the last time you took Dad on a fun summer getaway? Wouldn't it be cool to camp under the stars in the National Park or fall asleep to the sound of the ocean? Turn the tables this Father's Day and take your parents on a fun family trip. Enter the Dad's Choice Family Getaway Sweepstakes now, and you could do just that. Visit us online at whkradio.com for a chance to win $3,000 cash towards a family summer vacation. But don't forget, where you'll go is Dad's Choice. I'm Hugh Hewitt. This week in the Town Hall Review, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. The Mueller investigation continues its bumps in the road. It seems that the less investigators found, the more they decided to investigate. We'll cover all this and much more. Join us for our program and visit our website at townhallreview.com. Saturday at 5 a.m. and Sunday at 4 p.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. This radio station exists to fulfill your insatiable appetite for news and information. If it happens here or around the world and it matters to you, we'll be the first to tell you about it and what it means. But that's not all. Our sister station exists to give your life meaning and purpose through the teaching of the Holy Bible. AM 1420, The Answer, exists to tell you about the world. AM 1220, The Word, exists to change the world. Together, we can do it. 
Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Tim Hayes, and I'm with RBC Wealth Management, and uh, this is Smart Investor Show. If you'd like to have a cup of coffee and talk about your portfolio and uh, and just see if we can help you in any way, uh, give us a call. Uh, the 800 number, and look, we're in Cleveland, so we're not too far away, but 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Um, and somebody, somebody asked me, uh, you know, do you give us all the information on your show? And no, I don't. That's for my clients. <laughs> uh, you know, I give you... 50 insider names. I don't tell you which ones I'm buying uh, because the, I also do the charting and the, ins, you know, make sure that the fundamentals are good, et cetera. So I got a, I got a call from uh, uh, Rick this week and uh, Rick has been following my show f- for eight years. Uh, and he said, you've made some very, very good calls. And he says, but you know, why do you put so much emphasis on insiders? Well, insiders bought Under Armour at 15. It's now 21. Just so you know, it's about a 35% return. At Tiffany, they bought a bunch of stock just three weeks ago. They were up 16.5% on Wednesday. Okay? I can go into more detail if you'd like. (laughs) But I think those are two prime examples. So the folks at McGuire Infrastructure Corp have bought, uh, remember they bought like six times, and they just bought another $4.8 million on Wednesday. Remember, McGuire got hammered. It was $70 or $65 and is now $38. Uh, the market didn't like the earnings, and, and the company came in and just bought a bunch of it, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and then we had Pig Tan Marine Enterprise, uh, which is a China-based company. The CEO, uh, his name is Zingnog Zalto. Uh, he bought $200,000 four times. Uh, so you like to see multiple buys. And the QTS Realty Trust, a REIT, you know, we talked about REITs, you know, it was a good time to buy them a couple weeks again because interest rates were up. The REITs are leading the way. I mean, I I wrote down so many REITs this week. What is a REIT? A REIT is a real estate investment trust. It's it's the way to buy real estate on the New York Stock Exchange so you have liquidity, but you still have the income. Now, you don't get all the tax deals, but that's that's for another time. Uh, Also, uh, but we have the CEO... Uh, who bought 1.2 million, and then a director bought 785,000. So we have two buyers. It has a nice yield too, by the way. It's it's down and out like all the rest of the REITs. Global Eagle Entertainment. This is kind of interesting. We have eight buyers. It's only a two dollar stock. So it's not for you know your kids' educational funds, okay? Um, and it was only 250,000 dollars, but. It was eight buyers, okay? And, you know, $254,000 buys you a lot of a $2 stock, just so you know. Um, also, Eagle Point Credit Corp., uh, we had the CEO buy $2.4 million and a principal buy $5.54 million. So uh, that's a pretty big uh, purchase there. Um, 
by the way, I forgot. McGuire bought twice this week, one four point five, one four point six. My apologies. And uh, here's one: uh, Sadara Therapeutics got creamed. It was eight bucks, and now it's five forty. And the CEO just stepped up and bought a million dollars worth. And Soho, uh, Sohu, I'm sorry, dot com, which is in technology and, and uh, internet information provider. Uh, Charles Zhang has he's bought nine times. Uh, well, this is the ninth time he's bought eight times before this, and he just bought the largest purchase he made was seven hundred seventy three thousand. That was this week. He's been buying mostly two hundred, three hundred thousand, uh, which is really interesting. Now, here's here's something I've been talking about: the consumer staples, it's like companies in the cereal business and uh, the deodorant business, and you know the pop, pop and soft drink. Everybody's throwing these things away, right? It's interesting that General Mills chairman bought $234,000 worth and hadn't bought any in a couple of years. And Kellogg's CFO bought 419000 this week. Uh, and then World Fuel Services, which has just got killed. You know, it's like uh, it's 38, it's now 20. Uh, it was four insiders, and they bought uh, approximately $480,000 each. So there we go. And here's one we've talked about before. Jack Schuler, who is a director and beneficial owner of Accelerated Diagnostics, uh, he, he owns 14,700,000 shares. He bought $10,000 on 515, uh, 10,000 shares, I'm sorry, that's $200,000, 65 on 516. Uh, on 517, he bought 100,000, and he bought another 50 on 520. Uh, that's 225,000, that's 4.6 million. So you'd love to see guys that are, own 22% of a company going out and buying more. Just, it's phenomenal. And then Global Eagle, oh no, I said that already, I'm sorry. Uh, American Homes for Rent, another REIT. This is the, by the way, we've been talking about insider buying and REITs now. AAT, Developers Diversified, this, they're, they're buying, folks, because they're down and the yields are up. These guys are smarter than we are, right? Anyway, American Homes for Rent, there was one buyer of $9.94 million worth of stock, and it's got a nice yield. Um, you know, it's it, it's way, uh, to, way to buy, okay? And then uh, Joe Field at Enter, Intercom Communications Systems. Remember, he was buying around 10. It got hammered down to 7, and he's still buying. Bought another 785000 So uh, I will mention that... Um, that Berkshire Hathaway upped their stake in Apple to 239 million shares from 165 million. Uh, so that's a big, big move. Uh, big, big move. So keep the, keep that in mind. All right. Now this is where we talk about this is Tim's take. And, and this is where I tell you what uh, the great minds of RBC and Tim Hayes are thinking. And I, you know, I've been talking about commodities and, and the possibility of inflation potential. And one of the things, uh, you know, I, I said this back in January, I, I mean, uh, December, the last two weeks of December, I, I talked about I thought commodities would be the winners this year. And um, I, Bob Dickey put out a piece this week, and he talked about that the CRB index appears to be breaking out from a two-year bottoming range for an uptrend back to the longer-term resistance. That's about 15% higher. Now, I suggested that the CRB index or the commodities would give us an inflation scare which I still think is the case. I don't know if we're going to break that, you know, we're going to go 15% higher and break through there or not. Commodities are down almost 75% from the high 
it's, that was back in 2008. Okay, so uh, I do think they're going to continue. Um, but remember, we do have a lot of oil. Okay, if we get the Permian Basin and and Bakken, Montana, starting to go again, and uh, the East Texas fields, and you know, there's a huge fine in West Texas by one company. I think things can get really interesting. All right, um, but we have a lot of oil. And it, I think we're coming on the period of time where America may dominate the oil scene. People think I'm crazy, but uh, I trust me, I, they thought I was crazy when I told them there was lots of oil <laughs> four or five years ago. And I said there was lots of lots of oil. And I said oil is going to come down in price. And it did. And I think it will one more time, by the way. But we have been in this stalled scenario with the Dow up only 1.8%. And I think the S&P up 3 So what we have is a trading range where... The bottom is 23,500 uh, on the Dow, uh, and, uh, you know, the top is probably the 20, 25,700 area, uh, 25,700 area. So we're right in the middle of it, and uh, I don't know if we're going to go anywhere for a while, but I, I think, you know, what you're going to see is, is it will bounce around quite a bit, all right? Um, but if you look at some of the short-term indicators, we're a little bit overbought, so I, I could see us going down to test that low one, one or two more times. Like I said, what we did back in uh, in between 2014 and 2016 is we had a flat top, and we kept having you know spikes down. Okay, ten uh, percent here, twelve percent there, fifteen percent there, five percent here, four percent there, but the top laid flat. Now it looks like we're having a flat bottom where the tops are going to be jagged. So it'll be just it's it's growth versus deflation. <laughs> that sets also. I think that'll continue, but remember, uh, energy did pop above uh, industrial metals, and and one of the other things that I think I should mention is consumer cyclicals are in the top five now. So there's a lot of good-looking uh, retailers. You no, know, we wouldn't have said that a year ago, but now things are starting to look fairly interesting in that area. I've bought several of them, and uh, you know there there's some good-looking names out there, very good-looking names, and don't forget. Crude oil broke over the old high only to get cracked. That's usually not a good sign. I think it's because of the dollar, uh, you know. But the oil index did break a double top only to come back into the system, which usually means that you, you want to be more careful. I would suggest that, you know, somebody asked me, you know, in the, in the fixed income area, I still love preferreds. I still love convertibles. Uh, if you got a convertible preferred, it's even better, but uh, they're, they're hard to find. Um, but if... Uh, if you'd like our list of, of either convertibles or preferreds, please give us a call. We, we have plenty of them. Uh, by the way, I, you know, I mentioned in Barron's that uh, uh, they're talking about, you know, the dividend elite. And this last week in Barron's, they talked about some of the consumer staples that I was talking about with the 3 and 4% dividend yields that looked very, very attractive. So what would I do this week? Uh, I would call Tim. And I would get our dividend growth list and our prime income list because I think now's the time. I, I, don't, I don't see interest rates. I think if the Fed raises interest rates some more, you're going to see a hard flattening of the yield curve because, you know, the, the, the lower rates have been going up pretty drastically. So you, you do have a flat yield curve right now. If they raise rates more, I think you'll have a flattening yield curve. So call us for our best REIT ideas. REITs are really good. You've got to be in the right spot, though. Some REITs I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. There are other REITs that look really good. REITs are real estate investment trusts. It's buying real estate on the New York Stock Exchange. So you get the income flow and the increasing income flow over a period of time. 
dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our small cap, our top picks of small caps. You know, th- look, I look at all these charts every, I look at hundreds and hundreds of charts a day. And the reason I do is because times like this, small caps, this is where we can make you a lot of money. You know, you don't have to have a, you don't put a lot of money into it now. You, you get your retirement funds on here, but you know, small caps go up very, very quickly and there's a good opportunity. Uh, so the small cap list is there. And I would also say our portfolio, our managed portfolio for all caps. Oh boy, is that doing well? Uh, don't forget if you just tuned in and you just missed it, you want to hear the rest of our show. WHK's webpage, WHK 1420 AM, uh, has a podcast of our show. Go to it, hit podcasts, local podcast, by the way. Go down to the bottom. Tim Hayes usually shows up there either uh, Monday at noon or Tuesday at noon. So you can hear the whole thing. And if you can't sleep, <laughs> turn it on at midnight and I'll put you to bed in no time. Hey, thanks for listening. This is the, uh, by the way, Tim Hayes Google Radio. That's how you get to me or call me 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. This is Tim Hayes. I'm with the Smart Investor Show and RBC Wealth Management. Have a great weekend. Buy low, sell high, right on to the soldiers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.